Welcome to the second episode of Vista Mall 2022 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who claims to have his shit together, unlike everyone else, Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening. It is a sad week for Team Logan on the pool. <laughs> oh, my number one suspect. <laughs> Not just your number one suspect, but your number one pick for the pool. Spoilers for the end of this episode. And also for the third season on the trot, you've lost someone first. It's it's a marathon, not a not a sprint. I had completely forgot that last fact until I was putting together the pool update yesterday and went, Yeah, Logan lost someone first last time, didn't he? And then I looked back at twenty twenty ones and went, Yep. And then I looked back at Renaissance and went, Yep. And then I looked back at twenty twenty and went, Oh, Michelle lost someone first there. That's that's at least not a four season streak for Logan. <laughs> that would have just been sad. I would have been kicked off the podcast. The last three pools that we have done for Vidum, you have lost someone first. I'm kind of skating over the fact that you did win the Renaissance one. But yeah, you lost someone first in the last three, including this one. I thought I heard someone bark for a second. It does sound like someone's barking in the background. <laughs> Sometimes you hear cats meow. We've had, we've had, we had to actually just... We were on the fifth floor of a hotel... And there was a cat that followed us all the way from reception area. And I walked up the five the five flights of stairs and it followed me all the way up there. And there was one other time where it tried to follow us into the elevator and just go up the elevator like a regular person to our room. So essentially, you've become a cat whisperer. I, I think there's just a lot of stray animals in this area, Phuket. <laughs> it's, it's, it's similar to, I mean, the same thing happened to me when I was in Albania. We discussed this on the first week podcast about the dog that followed me from the castle halfway back to my hostel. We did. It's just you have a thing for stray animals. <laughs> they just find a kindred spirit in you. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bob Barker, I guess. Oh, get out. <laughs> get your pet spayed or neutered. And that's a Logan Saunders PSA. <laughs> So previously, 11 new famous Dutch people flew to Albania to begin the hunt for the mole. On their ride to Rosalfa Castle, they were given the opportunity to size up the competition before giving Rick their first suspicions. The mole divided them before they paid all the money they won initially to keep seven yokers out of the game, before a late-night challenge saw them bank the first cash of the season. A live stream with the Netherlands saw Glenn and Everon win exemptions, alongside a €5,000 bounty on their heads, and Arno be prime suspect, before Susanna was the first to be sent home, and given an invite to the unmasking three weeks later. I think the only thing she is unmasking right now is a crate full of Albanian wine. Yeah, from what I heard about last week's Ponderosa, she pretty much admitted that they got very drunk pretty much every night. Well, they would ha- they wouldn't have any they wouldn't have any responsibilities. They they don't have to worry about work, school, family their own vacation, which is already quite a rarity during COVID. It's going to be a party every night. And they won't have any phones or watches or anything to even distract them. They literally are just going to be enjoying each other's company. It's like the that episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets a job working for the power-hungry guy. So the family gets to move out of Springfield into a really nice house, but everything is done for them, and Marge usually does all of the housework. So she says, oh, that's clean. That's clean. I don't have to do this. This is done for me. So she just sits at a table and starts and opens up a bottle of wine and she becomes a wino throughout the episode because she has nothing else to do. So essentially, Susanna is Marge Simpson. Yes, Susanna is Marge Simpson. Just like Allie from The Mole Season 2. If you remember that obscure question of who would dress up as Marge Simpson for Halloween, she was the correct answer. They did not get it, and that's the reason why the fake backpacks got lowered closer into the fire. So they are still in Skoda, and Rick says that for the first time ever, the Dutch public were involved in the season. And then there's loads of like nonsense that we don't actually care about. I like how he said, assembly line work doesn't have to be boring at all, and I'm thinking... Is Rick already in that generation after I Love Lucy came out? Are we? Are we? Are we, is he generate a generation past where no one would be familiar with I Love Lucy, or is, or was it just not a big hit in the Netherlands? I would assume it wasn't a big hit in the Netherlands because, I mean, I don't really remember I Love Lucy, but I am significantly younger than Rick is. Because it's a very, I mean, the assembly line sketch is the most iconic 
most iconic clip from I Love Lucy. If you don't know anything else about I Love Lucy, you're going to know the frantic assembly line where they just stuff everything into their shirts. But I couldn't help but correct Rick on that, where it's as if he's never seen an interesting assembly line scene unfold before him. When they're doing the task, I'm sure he's thinking, man, if only a sitcom would <laughs> would turn this into a sketch somehow. And there is a new filter that they are using for the family photo, which comes back in the photography challenge later in the episode. And the episode title is Stay Silent. Care to take a shot at the Dutch pronunciation of that, Michael? Nope, because I don't even have it written down. It's like, it's Zweitschen? 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 Z-W-I-J-G-E-N. I think as soon as this episode goes live on Wednesday, I'm going to get a message off Marika just going, this is how it's actually pronounced. Please, for the love of God, never let Saunders do that again. <laughs> I'm on, I mean, I, I've subscribed to Dutch Pod 101. I just started doing my lessons again. I need, I need one more week. I need one more week to get into it. Oh, this was hilarious. Right before we started recording when I was doing the Dutch lesson, I started practicing by saying the words out loud, like like you're supposed to do with with Pod 101 or Pimsleur or even Duolingo when they have the the voice tests. And Gian's first question to me while I started speaking Dutch out loud is, "Logan, are you okay?" I think that's a common thing when people are learning Dutch is that it sounds like they they've got something stuck in their throat for certain pronunciations. Yeah. Oh. 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 I'm, I'm suffering from word salad. In that case, I will make a note that this time next week when we record, I'm going to get you to pronounce this episode title again and you've got to do it better than you did this week. Yes, uh, uh, I'll follow that I'll follow that away in my brain. I'll be rehearsing. I will make myself a note now while I remember. Get <laughs> Logan to butcher the episode <laughs> title. I've got a note of my own. Prove Michael and the Dutch-speaking population wrong. <laughs> I like it when we record when it's late at night for you, because you are half asleep. It's great. <laughs> so at the breakfast table, the topic of whether Yoko's have already been played comes up, and, I mean, Letitia and Belmud are both terrible liars about this. They they pretty much reveal themselves immediately. <laughs> Yeah, Glenn, Glenn just straight up asks them, why are you two smirking at each other? In poker, that's what we call a tell. Like, it's such an obvious, oh, should we actually reveal this? I think Letitia only revealed it because she hadn't even uh, eaten her croissant yet. I think if she had already eaten her croissant, she would have had a better poker face on. She just wanted to get to breakfast. She didn't care about anything else. Breakfast was the immediate focus for her. Yeah, you, you need a, you need a good breakfast to start your day on Vidim. And then I like how this how Glenn making the joke about throwing the table makes it into his execution montage. I, I I did not see that coming. I meant to mention this last week, but did it warm your heart that Susanna got an exit montage, even though you know we'd only seen her for probably a total of four minutes by that point. <laughs> I, I, I had that in my notes last week, but I figured after so many seasons of making that joke, I could I could let it slide for one season, but yes. Especially when there were 11 contestants instead of 10, which made it even more ridiculous that she got a montage. Because she probably only got 40 seconds of airtime total. I think when it came up on the Bothers Bar Discord last week, I did actually say before you'd even joined it, oh, Logan will be all over this on the podcast this week because it's his favourite thing on Vidim. Glenn having a montage warmed my heart too because there were so few scenes of him where all they could mention was, oh, he was the least suspected mole and he made the joke about throwing the table at breakfast. An obscure throwaway joke that has nothing to do with what happens this season. Those were the two best clips they were able to find. The other brilliant element of this is the fact that Glenn, now we know 100% he isn't the mole, could still cost the group 5,000 euros if ever on his. Because he saved everyone, he could actually cost the group potentially more than the Molders. Directly. And everyone is still very high on my suspect list. Especially after this week. He, he was only more suspicious. So the breadbasket at breakfast contains a phone, and Rick calls them and asks them to split into a group of five people who want to stay within reach, and five people who want to stay out of reach. 
He also tells them to keep the phone on them for the rest of the season as they will need it. And they decide, whilst most people are in the bathroom, that Velmud is going to be the keeper of the phone. I think one past contestant who wished they could stay out of reach was Emanuela. She would want to stay out of reach of the police. I know we were talking about this before we actually started recording, but because I was a little bit late on editing some of those episodes that we recorded um, last year as the Historians ones, I'd forgot how brutal we were to Emanuela in that finale. <laughs> it was very, very funny. Like and anyone else who we'd been that mean about, you'd have thought that we really, really hated. But Emanuela was one of my favourites of last year that we talked about. It's just that she has such a checkered, more recent past. I mean, there's not too many other drug traffickers on reality TV. You have the winner of Big Brother 9, and that's about it. It's just that she essentially cost herself an invite to Vidum Renaissance by slightly dealing drugs. I wonder if Rick uh, did a closer inspection of the notes where he's thinking, ah, what's all the white stuff on these notes? If we scrape them off and sell it, 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 would, double, it would double the pot. Everything's a clue in Vidum. <laughs> the white powder could just be a hint to someone. Which one of you has, has a side job? Also, I'm calling it now. Whoever has the phone at some point will be offered an exemption to screw over the team privately. As soon as they move them to individual rooms, whoever has the phone will get a call off Rick. I, I, I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but this is the first time where contestants think, what if we call Rick back on this phone? We can call back the number. We have caller ID. There's nothing to stop us. The best thing is, nothing happened with that. Like I was expecting a recorded message like George's premiere going, hello, you've just cost the group 500 euros by phoning this. Here's a hint. I was fully expecting something like that, and it didn't happen. I wish they would have the George Costanza voicemail. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not at home. So Rick sends them back to the Majani Theatre. I'm just ignoring that. Uh, Rick sends them back to the Majani Theatre, where the execution happened the previous evening. He tells them that they will be working together in a production line to make money for the pot, doing a series of mini-challenges. The out-of-reach group, Thomas, Arno, Everon, Kimlian, and Letitia, will start first and have ten minutes. Then the in-reach group, Gila, Sahil, Glenn, Frasia, and Velmud, will finish any unfinished challenges. And they can earn up to two and a half thousand euros for the pot. However, all of the challenges take place on a turntable, and they are restricted by barriers. Do you notice how Evron unintentionally broke a chair at breakfast? He was so excited by the phone that when he jumped up, the chair just fell over and he, no one no one acknowledged the tipped chair. I didn't notice that, no. And Sahil's shirt, does he have... He has a bunch of different country flags, but I think a lot of them are from Muslim countries. He does. I think Malaysia was one of them. Yeah, and I noticed... Uh, what was it? I noticed a Lebanese flag and East Timor. I'm thinking those... I think East Timor is a... Or no, it was Papua New Guinea. I stand corrected as the Papua New Guinea flag. And I'm thinking, that's you're reaching you're reaching pretty far there, Sahil, to to spread your message of one love <laughs> or, or peace and harmony. His fashion choices in this episode were pretty impressive because he also had a two-pack t-shirt on at one point, I think. Yes, and I was thinking, that's why locals are hesitant to help you. <laughs> so how do you think the mole sabotage this challenge because let's be honest the mole sabotage this challenge they did pretty terribly as a group yeah because they could re- earn 2500 euros and they earned three 310 total they landed one ping pong ball and how many there were what 10 ping pong balls in there 20 30 so there were nine mini challenges and the ping pong balls and the reason I separate the ping pong balls out is because they didn't really draw attention to this in the episode but all the ping pong balls had values written on them so that is the challenge where 1,600 euros must have been. I think everything else was 100 euros. That would be as if production is saying, oh, this challenge is worth 10,000 euros, but 9,500 euros are, you can, can be earned through these ping pong balls. And then at the end, Rick can score them and say, oh, out of a possible 10,000, you only earned 310. A vast majority of the money for this challenge is in those ping pong balls because there was at least one 250 euro one in there that we could see. 
it was a very high value uh, mini challenge that if only they practiced beer pong beforehand i guess they didn't practice beer pong until after they were executed the only one we don't know what the total value of in terms of the other mini challenges i think was the um separating marbles we know it's 25 per green marble that was put in the crap bowl but i don't think that was going to be more than maybe maybe eight most which would be 200 euros which would mean that the ping pong balls were worth 1500 and i bet out of the 310 euros they earned that at least half of it was spent on insulin after eating a whole cake because they all got diagnosed with diabetes like you know me well that is my dream mole challenge is eating a cake. I would love eating a cake. <laughs> I wonder if you were allowed to just like smush your face in there and and you didn't have to eat it, but just essentially motorboat the cake so it would be completely flattened out and the rest of the cake is spread out all over the floor and then you can say, well, there's no more cake to eat. It's all gone. I think there had to be a limit. There had to be a Bruce Bogtrotter limit in there somewhere where they said okay, you've eaten enough now, you'll get the 100 euros for eating this entire cake. Because believe me, if someone offered me 100 euros to eat an entire cake, I would be all over it. I would lick the plate clean. <laughs> I wonder if you could just, like, just if you could headbutt the cake and and just roll your head around in it, have it all in your, in your hair, in your ears, up your nose, in your eyes, just all over the cake. I think the best thing about it is the fact that it is probably the least COVID-friendly challenge you could ever imagine in a COVID-secure season. They have ten different people taking chunks out of out of a cake with their mouths, with their hands. Like, nobody used the knife. Nobody used any spoons or anything. Although, you know, I did spot at least one person take pieces of the cutlery to then eat with. Nobody did that. It was essentially like the, the Survivor Challenge with all the, the eating slabs of meat. And here's your reward. It's all the slabs of meat you ate. By the way, you guys now have herpes. Like, I don't understand how on earth this got through a COVID-secure season, but it is all the better for the cake being included, because we got wonderful sights like Velmood having a, uh, a, a cake moustache, for example. He turned into the Joker. <laughs> yeah, it was Kim who had entirely black teeth, I think, at one point. Well, it's also because this was filmed in Albania right now. Albania has had a notorious reputation since the start of the pandemic to have the loosest restrictions, especially during the, the painting challenge where they needed to use locals. And I've, I've been to that area of Albania, of Skodra. It's very busy in that area, and nobody was wearing a mask. Very relaxed rules in Albania for the past two years, I believe. Did you get a bit of a belty vibe from this challenge as well? Just the absurdity of the tasks, I think, would be very Jill DaCosta-inspired. Especially the cake being thrown in, and then the honey, the bowl of honey, followed by feathers. Yeah, that that's the thing. It was perfect comedic timing to have the, the fourth one be, remove these coins from a jar of honey. And then, as soon as, as soon as Arno's finished with that, the next table comes around and it's just, stick your hand in this bowl of feathers. And it's like, oh, you beautiful, beautiful people. <laughs> that is just utter comedy gold because you can see exactly what is going to happen as soon as they start sticking their hands in sticky stuff you're going to get something where it's a really a really tough sorting challenge next I like the way they say the word honey too in Dutch, it's not honey, it's hone I think, and I will check this before I actually edit it because I might be wrong, I think it's spelled H-O-N-I-N-G Oh, it sounded like they were saying hone as in, as in no or Watch me whip, 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 watch me honene. And that was a Silenzo reference. It was, and it's quite worryingly a reference that we have made in an episode title before. Really? Watch me whip, 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 watch me honene? It was um, whip shenene in uh, Amazing Race Canada 5. So yeah, the, the first challenge is to roll all the dice on the table to, um, to have the number one on top of them for 100 euros. The second one is to use chopsticks to separate green and red marbles, and each green marble in the correct bowl is worth 25 euros. Third one is to sort socks into pairs and then put them into an empty basket for 100 euros. The fourth one, as we've already said, is to remove all the coins from a jar of honey for 100 euros. Then, predictably, the fifth one involves feathers, putting coloured feathers into the correct envelope. The sixth one is the big money one, 
throwing ping pong balls into a glass bowl in the centre of the stage, with each ball having a different amount of money written on them. And of course, this is after they've dunked all of their hands in honey. The seventh is to sort a pile of cutlery. Eighth is to eat an entire family-sized cake for €100. The ninth is to fill an empty bottle with water from a glass bowl for €100. And the tenth one, as we find out eventually in the second round, is to build a toy fire truck. How did they come up with the fire truck one? I suspect it was, here's a local market, let's just pick a kid's toy that they've got to build that'll be difficult enough when they've got honey all over them. <laughs> Imagine if they had a gift it to an orphanage. Oh, here you go. Here's your honey, honey-laden honey fire truck. I must admit, you can tell that this wasn't a Belgian challenge, because I think if it was a Belgian one, they wouldn't have allowed the second group to actually see what had happened and avoid touching the honey. Because as soon as that second group comes in, they go, now we're not even touching the honey, that's too hard, and it ruins all the rest of the challenges. And that ruins all the fun. If you'd had the second group then have to look at the conveyor belt themselves, as the first group did, I guarantee someone would have touched that honey. Papa Bear would have thought about that, I think. Yeah, thinking people would without think the challenge. Where would you want to be as a mole? Would you want to be in the first group or the second well, the first group, you have more excuses to make if it goes wrong, because it was so chaotic and no one was thinking of the strategy. So if you're the mole, you can play into that and say, well, I wasn't thinking about the strategy either and fuck up just as much as everyone else does. I think the argument for it being the second group would be you can see what challenges have already been completed and ruined them. Yeah, try to sabotage and take uh, it's one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, I, I think it is far easier for the mole to be in the second group and just accidentally take a, a knife or whatever out of the cutlery drawer or accidentally shift one of the dice while nobody else is looking. That's true, because if you're in the second group, you're the group that's completing the tasks. You're the group that's securing the money into the pot. The, if you're the mole in the first group, you can screw everyone else over as much as you can, but the second group could go all in, strategize perfectly, and cover up all of the sabotages you were trying to make. That's a very good point. The mole would want to be in one or two positions, I think, in this challenge, which is either throwing constantly into that glass bowl and making sure they don't get 1,500 euros or whatever was total in there, or looking at all the other challenges and subtly sabotaging them and making sure they're not complete. Because we know for a fact that the feathers one, someone had messed them around right near the end of it someone had done it wrong because they had to correct that at the very last second. If all the money is in the ping pong ball one, maybe one of the contestants avoided the honey, so everyone said, okay, you're responsible for shooting the ping pong balls into the bowl. And maybe the person just kept missing over and over again in the first group because they knew that's where, all, where most of the money could be won. I suspect as well that they only had one shot with each ping pong ball. I don't think they could reclaim them. So you, you would say the mole was within reach of sabotaging these minigames? I would say definitely that the mole was in the in-reach group, personally. Well, that means you only have four suspects left, Michael. It's only Frezia, Belmud, Sahil, or Hila. In the interest of fairness, I have already decided my top three suspects as well. Are they all from that group? Uh, two of them are. One of them isn't. Oh, well then, you're not fully sold on that, then, are you? I'm hedging my bets, as I always do. This is how I end up getting the correct mole. I didn't get a mole wrong last year in the end. For the record. <laughs> Who was drinking the red the red juice? Somebody was trying to like suck up the juice and then blow it out into the cup. Was it everyone? I think it might have been everyone. Everyone? Everon. We might have to come up with a nickname for him, because you made this joke last week. Yeah, I know. It's a good it's a very easy way to annoy people. And to, to annoy him too, I'm sure he hated that once once he was fluent in English. Oh, everyone's here. Uh, yes, I know I'm here. Don't be a dick now. It's like me saying when I was at school that I'd been to every pizza hut in France because I'd been to a pizza hut that was in the town of Every, which is just outside of Paris. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Actual true story. The mini challenge here that stands out to me as well is the cake one. Not just because, you know, dream, but because it is very hard for a mole to sabotage that one. The other ones you can definitely sabotage. I don't know how you'd sabotage eating an entire cake. <laughs> Add to it? <laughs> Unless there was 
like we said, a rule where they had to eat a certain amount and uh, and the bowl could have just scooped up enough or thrown enough on the floor that they couldn't eat it. I don't know. That's the only way I can see the mole sabotaging that. Or if it was an unaired clip and the mole, at the time, the mole says, oh, I'm lactose intolerant, I can't eat this cake. And then after the mole is revealed how I saw sabotage this challenge is I pretended to be lactose intolerant. I've just thought of something as well with the cake. Because it the cake really stands out to me, just as not really being a sabotageable mini challenge. What if there was a clue to the mole in the cake? Maybe there was a short skirt and a long jacket? I'm thinking basically like Australian Survivor loves to do with the family style rewards. What if there was something under the cake that was a hint to the mole? Mm. Maybe there was somebody bites into the cake. What is this hard piece? Oh, I found a yoker. Yeah, maybe not a Christmas pudding style hide coin in the cake, but maybe there was like a hint to the mole's identity printed under the cake or something. I don't know. Or somebody loses a tooth. Somebody loses a tooth. It's, oh, I got an exemption. It was worth it. A black exemption for a black tooth. <laughs> yeah. Which of these challenges do you think you would have been all right at? I think the ping pong ball. I think I would have been able to get the the rhythm down for that. I'm pretty decent at beer pong now. I think it was quite noticeable that they put a little bit of water in the uh, in the target ball to make it so the ping pong balls wouldn't bounce out easily. Or the dice. I think the dice I could repeat the same amount of uh, force and the type of motion I make with my hands when rolling the dice. I think I could do well with that too. Or be able, or memorize the pattern on how to get it to the one to to uh, show upwards. Yeah, I I think the chopsticks one is probably the hardest one. Yeah, well, I have jittery fingers, so I'd be hopeless at that. The coin in the jar of honey isn't necessarily a hard one, but it rules you out of basically all of the other ones apart from probably the cake, unless of course you use the the water from the uh, from the ninth challenge to then wash your hands, which I probably would have done. It all depends on whether you've done the honey one. If you've done the honey one, you can pretty much rule yourself out of the rest of the challenge. Being honest about it. It would be impressive if you could do the ping pong balls with really sticky hands. So when the second team finishes their time, everything is totaled. They failed quite a lot, but three assignments were completed, and one ping pong ball was thrown into the bowl, giving them 310 euros of 2,500 for the challenge. There's been worse starts. They have. I think we can be pretty sure they completed the cutlery. And I think they completed the dice as well. I don't know what the other one they completed was. Marbles? The fire truck? We know it wasn't the fire truck because Glenn kept bitching about people not, people destroying that. Maybe he thought the fire truck was the mole. We know it wasn't the empty bottle with the water because they were nowhere near that when we last saw them. It certainly wasn't the cake because they had about half of that left. It must have been either feathers or socks, I'd guess. Maybe the socks. Did they say the socks was finished? I don't think they said it was finished. They said the dice and the other one I mentioned, cutlery, were finished. But I don't think they said what the third one was. Because Kim's strategy was just to say, put the socks in the ball. You don't have to make it neat. Just sort it. We're not looking for a finesse here. But also, that's a very easy sabotage one for them all. All you need is one wrong sock and they don't win any money. And it's also very hard for them to quality control it. Because if you deliberately miss pair a pair of socks straight away and hide it at the bottom of the basket. By the time that people notice they've got two odd socks left at the end, they've got to then dig through the entire basket to find the uh, the correct pair. Yeah, they wouldn't know until it's over if somebody screwed that up. Now that is a super easy one for the mole to sabotage, I would say. I'd be quite surprised if it was the socks, for that reason. So they are then driven to the next assignment, and Velmood proposes using the phone to ring Rick, and there is absolutely no response, basically, because, you know, nobody's expecting her to ring Rick. They can't exactly summon Rick straight away. It'd be funny if he's just laying in his hotel room watching TV. All right, who's interrupting me watching The Chase? This better be good. <laughs> I would quite love it if if I was famous in Albania, and if my episode of The Chase had been aired. That would be pretty cool. I do know some of the countries it's aired in, for the record, but I don't know whether Albania's one of them. Or, or Rick picks up and he's at a bar or he's out playing Settlers of Catan with friends and he says, Velmud, is this important? I'm kind of I'm kind of busy right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to get the longest road. Did I ever tell you I got recognized in South Africa for being on the chase? What? 
we're on a boat tour quite close to the Blaukens Bridge, and um, and the guide slash driver recognised that I'd been on the chase because he was a quiz nut. You would get recognised in Cyprus, especially in Paphos, in about ten seconds. Then, Michael, there are about four different quiz pubs in Paphos alone. I know for certain it's aired in Australia and New Zealand because I've got family in New Zealand and they watched that episode when they knew it was going to be on it. And I think Michelle said that it's aired in Australia. I don't know of any other countries where it has definitely aired. So if anyone's listening from a country where it has aired that isn't the UK, South Africa, Australia or New Zealand and knows my episode of The Chase has aired, please let me know because I'm actually genuinely interested. Well, we, 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 we were watching The Chase in Cyprus. Ah. I was wondering how you knew The Chase because... Other than me and Ant being on it, I don't think you would know it really. Because my the, my Airbnb host, she's originally from England, so she and she she's been, she was on a quiz show before, back in the eighties, I think she said, or early nineties, she went on a quiz show. So she always was watch, she was watching three quiz shows in a row. Did she say which one? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, she said it was. I think it was a show that's not around anymore because this would have been. Thirty years ago, at least. <laughs> so the second challenge takes place at Rana Eheden Beach, which I have googled and is also known as I think it was Stolen Sand or something like that. The mountains and the hillsides look very similar to what I saw in Montenegro. Well, it's it's only forty kilometers from the Montenegro border. Well, that's probably how I got to Skodra. Was from I can't remember it was Montenegro to Skodra or Skodra to Montenegro when I took the bus. <laughs> Yeah, Throne Sand Beach is what it's also known as. But for the purpose of me actually tagging things on Instagram, I'm having to use Rana head. I think it would have been Skodra to Montenegro. Now that I'm picturing the map of Eastern Europe in my head. Uh, so Rick comes riding in on the back of a jeep. Mad Rick. Oh god. I had such joy watching this because I suspect Rick might end up hearing what I'm about to say. We obviously haven't been the biggest fans of Rick as a host. He's just not as as fun as art. But it is really nice in the past two episodes, and Rick, please listen to this bit rather than the previous thing I've just said. It's really nice to see Rick getting involved in challenges and actually being part of the group rather than being deliberately separate. Because it's something that I think I may have flagged with you over Christmas that I found an interview from Anderson Cooper when he was recording the first season of the US Mole and he basically said that his role was to be a step away from the group and not really be that pally with them. Obviously, bullshit of course he did. But I feel like Rick has had that that MO for the past four seasons of being a little bit outside of the group and it's nice to see him getting involved in the challenges riding on the back of the jeep or trolling them at the theatre challenge in the, uh, the first challenge of this episode. That challenge reminded me very much of the Georgia Circus challenge of Art being on the tannoy, trolling them and mocking them, basically. But it's nice to see Rick be able to do that. Well, just think of some of the longest American competitive reality TV game show hosts. Jeff Probst and Phil Cogan, they both said it took them about five seasons before they got comfortable with what they were doing. It always felt like Art got involved faster. And it's nice to see Rick finally get involved. Obviously, he's got involved in a couple of challenges in the past few seasons, but in these two episodes, we've seen him get involved far more than he did do otherwise. I think this is the season where Rick finally gets comfortable, and he's he knows his job well enough to now he, where all that stuff is second nature to him, which now he's, he's confident enough to go out on a limb and ride right on the back of the Jeep Mad Max style. I think it probably also helped that they got the stress of the live stream out of the way. I think he was probably quite nervous about that. I would have been very nervous about that. Because he knows the mole. It is a Dutch tradition that the host knows exactly who the mole is, unless they don't want to. I think Carol didn't want to. Yeah, during the during the live stream, he just stares at the mole, who the mole is the whole time. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It It's a completely different kettle of fish. Filming the first episode and going, right, just don't look directly at the mole all the time. Don't take selfies with the mole all the time, like I did with Meryl. And doing the live stream and going, right, I have one chance at this. If I glance at the mole too much, I am going to ruin this entire season and it's not going to air for four months. He just puts his hand up to cover his face. (laughs) Can't give it away, can't give it away, can't give it away. Like during Columbia, he was constantly taking selfies with Meryl, knowing that she was the mole off screen and stuff. And then he revealed them at the end of the season. And it's like, dude, you cannot do that. (laughs) 
I know it's a fun trolley thing, but you can't do that because it's too risky. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to a challenge that is very pretty, but ultimately utter bullshit for everyone involved. They are each going to be riding on the back of a jeep, popping balloons with a spear. Each green balloon popped is 10 euros for the pot, each red balloon is minus 10 euros. There are also golden balloons, which are worth 150 euros each, but only to the last pair who go through the course. This is utter horseshit as a challenge. However, it was quite fun to watch. It'd be so fun as a player, but as somebody from home trying to figure out who the mole is, we were not given enough information as to how each person performed. The only sabotage they made clear was that Thomas was popping the balloons on the test drive and got penalized for it. We have no idea how well everyone did. Well, the last group they said popped four golden balloons, but for all we know, Arno and everyone could have popped more red balloons than everyone else combined. Yeah, I've mentioned this sort of a challenge before. It's really pretty, but ultimately wildly impractical for the viewers to actually watch at home. Looks really fun. Not that fun to watch, I would say, because it's a mess to try and keep up with. I wonder if the mole knew that the tallest person would be picked by the group, so they quickly bought some platform shoes right before they picked picked pairs. I don't know whether to even ask this question or not, but where do you think the mole was? Would the mole go last? Would the mole go first and try and sabotage the last team? Well, I mean, my number one suspect went in the last pair, so I'd be inclined to say that before the challenge, I'm thinking, well, if all if it's if one golden balloon is worth 15 green balloons. The golden balloons are where I'd want to be. Because if I avoid one golden balloon, I've taken 150 euros out of the pot. So even if I pop four of them, maybe everyone else would have been capable of popping six or seven or eight or however. How many golden balloons were there total? I think there were eight. Eight. So only pop four of them and avoid the other the other four? I, can't, I keep 600 euros out of the pot. That's not... It's not too bad of a sabotage. And then pop a row of red ones along the way too and say, well, I did pop four golden ones, so suck it. There were at least eight, is what I will say, because we know that Kim popped one, we know that Sahil popped one, and we know there were six left at the end. We don't know whether anyone else popped one or dropped one or anything like that. I like how Kim went full Emanuela with the spear. Imagine Emanuela doing this challenge. <laughs> I know I've said this before, but I know I hyped her up before Oregon, and I think she lived up to your expectations of just insane competence, but also insanity. And I really like Kim. I'm not sure whether she's the mole. She is on my suspect list this week, I'll be honest. But like, she just needs to stick around for as long as possible for the entertainment value, I think. Yeah, Kim doesn't have the most finesse or the greatest technique at any task. She was the one who said, put the socks into a ball. You don't have to sort them neatly. And then when she handles the spear, she's popping anything that's green, red, or golden that she sees. (laughs) I think she popped more balloons than anybody. I don't honestly know whether you could influence what colour balloons you're actually popping. I don't know whether there is any skill to this challenge whatsoever. I think it is just catered to people who just pop anything they can see, being honest. It's like bubble wrap. Yeah, I think Kim probably had the right tactic to actually earn anybody. I think Kim would have had the same score if she had a blindfold wrapped around her head. I also have to point out Arno before they even start popping anything, because his smug expression was delightful. I described him last week as looking a bit like every single Disney villain, and boy, did he give me that screenshot of looking like every single Disney villain this week. The slick white hair doesn't really help his case. No, and the sort of Hawaiian-ish shirt and vest combo as well. And Thomas went full Yakum on this challenge too. Do you think that Thomas is even remotely suspicious? I'm only going to have him suspicious for now. But I'm gonna I'm gonna wait one more week and then it'll either he'll either be at the top of my list or at the very bottom of my list because I'm thinking he could play that off saying oh a test drive it was an easy way to take ninety euros out of the pot in this challenge. I think the Netherlands have about ten percent suspicion of Thomas right now. 
I did remember to actually have a look at the proper stats this week. I think it was about 10% who suspect Thomas. I don't suspect him at all. And in fact, when Dan Peake sends over the suspect list, he will probably be my last place person this week, just because I think it is more of a Joachim situation of he has no idea what the hell he is doing, and less that he's actually sabotaging actively. Yeah, I think that I'm going to wait one more week, and then I'm either I'm either going to lock Thomas in, or he's he's at the very bottom of the list again. So Glenn volunteers to go first, with Kim Leanne going along with him. Arno really wants to go last and be the hero, and he goes last along with everyone who doesn't want to go first, as he could see everyone else operate, and he only trusts himself right now. And then everyone gets shocked at how quickly they're going. So Hill says that Kim didn't care about the colours of the balloons, she just wanted to pop them. And she popped one of the gold balloons. Then Velmud and Frazier are second. Velmud takes the Kim tactic of just popping everything. Thomas and Hill are third, and Thomas starts popping on the test run. Sahil and Letitia are fourth. Sahil thinks he's going to kill it. He then spins the spear around his hand and pops a gold balloon. And I also love how they're doing this challenge with Taurus on the beach in the background. I was thinking there's three people who are just watching people standing in the backs of jeeps popping balloons with spears. Yeah, and by that point, the forums pretty much knew it was Albania. They had guessed Albania by about day, day three, day four. So they genuinely could have done a Beth Peach and tried to get people from Albania to scope out the likely places. I am very surprised that Albania did not leak because of this challenge. Especially when Skodra is the most touristy place in Albania. And it's one of the only places for tourists to go in all of Europe. And it's late summer, which would be peak tourism season. So Arno and everyone are the final pair, the only ones with the chance to earn the 150 euro gold maloons, of which there are six remaining. And Arno gets two of them. When Rick tops everything up, they got four golden balloons and 29 more green than red. However, due to Thomas's premature popping, there is a penalty of 90 euros assessed, giving them 800 euros of 3,000 for the challenge. Mar, mar, 90 euros. I think a 90 euro penalty is probably quite generous from production, going back to what we were saying last week about them actually wanting this season to feel fun. It's the smallest penalty I think I've seen applied for a rule infraction. I think in previous seasons they probably would have cancelled all of the money. So after the challenge, in more Belgy vibes, they go for a swim in the sea, and it's almost like they're enjoying each other's company. And then Rick comes back and tells us the first bonds are forming between Everon and Frazier and Letitia and Velmud. He also tells us that the phone has an additional function for the team, prior knowledge of future assignments. In any other version, they probably would have then let that sit, but the next scene is Rick bringing Velmud and giving her additional information about the next challenge, which is that they are going to the National Photography Museum, Marubi, and recreating the work of two Albanian photographers, Marubi and John Milley. He says he's searching for two candidates who want to recreate Millie's lighting techniques, and the rest will be recreating the photos of Marubi. And the mole has decided beforehand which elements of the photos must be recreated. John Millie is a funny name. Because you can either go the Lil Wayne route and say, oh, it's a Millie. A Millie, a Millie, a Millie. Or, uh, or, or, or as one of the contestants said, the Millie Vanilli photographs. Which is just the same photograph played, just shown over and over again. Then you realize, oh, we're just using the same photograph. We didn't mean to do that. So they decide to actually tell the group about this, given that they had already screwed the group over by stealing Yokers in the last episode. They decide to actually try and win some back. And it ends up with Thomas and Frazier being the lighting technicians. Glenn, Arno and Hila are the first team to recreate the pictures. And they get the choice of three, which they have to recreate. They pick one of a young woman posing, and Hilla is that young woman. So is Thomas and Frazier who had to learn the teachings of Marubi? No, they had to learn uh, Millie's. Oh, Millie's. Okay, so it's uh, so everyone else would be the students of Marubi. Would would they be called Marubi newbies? <sighs> I knew you were setting yourself up for something. <laughs> like I said, sleep deprived Saunders is best Saunders. <laughs> So Thomas and Frazier actually have the most important job of the entire episode because they have to represent their fellow candidates using a slow shutter speed and a torch. The more correctly identified, the more requirements from the mole 
that they can make money from recreating. I like for Sahil how they drew, try to draw the flag of Morocco, but when you look at it, you think, oh, that could be the flag of Israel, that could be the flag of Suriname for Emanuela. I don't think these recreations were terrible. They could have been far, far worse. I mean, the Kim Lian one was pretty whiffy, being honest. The cross is a very common thing on any sort of flag. Yeah, because that was for Sweden, and that was supposed to be Sweden, right? Yeah, but arguably it could have been England. Or someone who's religious. <laughs> or Norway. Or Iceland. Or arguably Switzerland, because that flag's a big plus. Yeah, well, it's a smaller plus, isn't it? Isn't it a really big red border, not a tiny plus sign? Yeah, that one was a bit whiffy. The other the other eight, I think, were gettable at least. I wish there was somebody from Dominica, the flag with the, with the bird and the stars in it. That would have been interesting to try and use the light for it. What do you think they would have drawn for you? Well, probably Canadian flag. I think they could get away with a maple leaf. Could you recreate a maple leaf with a 15 second shutter speed? It's possible. It doesn't have to be a perfect maple leaf. It could look more like a marijuana leaf and then you think, oh, that was somebody trying to do a maple leaf. Yeah, but then then you'd confuse it with Emanuela because it could be the (laughs) marijuana leaf for drugs. I thought it was cocaine that she dealt. I don't think she was picky, being honest. (laughs) Any drug. Being perfectly honest, I remember reading that list out when we recorded the finale of Oregon, and it was a fairly long list. It could have been hydrochlorothiazide or ramipril. I think it was about six to seven different items. Amodium. Yeah, she, she's a big-time paracetamol dealer. <laughs> Acetaminophene. So the other eight have to beg, borrow, and steal their items from locals, as they have no money to exchange, and they get a surprising amount of cooperation, I have to say. So the second pair is Velmud and Sahil. And Sahil asks someone if she speaks Dutch television, and then corrects himself to English. And he told Velmud before the assignment that she should take more chill pills, but she says in confessional that he should take less chill pills and be a little bit less laissez-faire about everything. Especially when it's a task where you have to require the cooperation of, of strangers when English isn't your first language. And English isn't their first language either. When they hear you, they know you're not a native English speaker. Usually what that means when you travel around Europe is, oh, this person's trying to scam me. Like when I travel... And somebody approaches me in English, speaking in English, and it's with a heavy accent. The first thing I'm going to think is, oh, what's the game here? So I think when Sahil was really passive about it and he's wearing his Tupac t-shirt, it really fits in with the image of a guy who's trying to scam you or sell you something. I have to say, this sort of a challenge would be my nightmare on Vidum. I would be very much in the Diedrich camp. I think we spoke about this during Oregon when they had to do something similar I would be very much in the Diedrich camp of, I don't really want to be bothering the locals here. Can we just bring out another cake? Yeah, can we just find me a cafe, a family-sized cake, and I will be perfectly happy. I will have the 30 minutes to eat the cake, and everyone else can go around town and try and recreate some photos for what I care. And they picked the perfect area to do this task, because it's an area of Skodra that I'm very familiar with, where there's lots of cafes, outdoor patios... Uh, juice bars, everything you can think of is all spread out in this area of Skodra. Lots lots of people to find to help you out with things. Do you think that they had a requirement that at least one of them had to be in the picture? That's a, Maybe not. Because all three of them used someone from their respective teams. It's probably easier if, if I was a contestant to be easier to make me do the pose because I've seen the pose rather than direct somebody else who's who may not understand what I want them to do and get frustrated, especially with Valmud and Sahil near the end where they take a picture and there's three seconds left. It's a bit tough to communicate what each person needs to do if you take one of the spots yourself. When the contestants take the picture, then the one or two other people can participate in the poses. So the third team is Everon, Kim Lian, and Letitia, and they have the hardest photo to recreate, one that is full of nuns. Six nuns. Kimlian basically says that she's never seen a Bible. And in a unintentionally awkward moment, Thomas and Frazier have just Hila and Kimlian left. And Thomas seems to think that <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say. Thomas seems to think that Hila 
is Turkish rather than Afghani. Uh, yeah, is she is she is Hila Turkish? No, she's Afghan. I'm thinking, ooh, that is not a good a good mistake to make. No, not the most politically aligned countries in recent history. <laughs> Kim Leanne bemoans the fact that she has her shit together. Everyone else doesn't. And everyone finds an entire family to participate, the dad more reluctantly. Then everyone has to come in and identify themselves from the light photos. Glenn is confident that he gets the one that he thinks he is. So he'll eventually get the Moroccan flag, although it does look like a butterfly. <laughs> or two triangles. And Kim Leanne is the only one who doesn't identify her light photo. Arno calls her a wimp. And that means that they can earn up to 1,600 euros for the reconstructions, with 200 euros per correct part. In Arno, Glenn and Healer's recreation, the mole wanted to see the foot, the tablecloth and the table leg. Two of those were correct for 400 euros. I wish the mole's requirements were much more obscure. I suspect that production maybe had a hand in picking the requirements. I think it would have been from a defined list. I uh, One of my requirements is I want a baby holding, holding up a... Uh, light bright, and I want a monkey to be uh, want a monkey to do a handstand. I, I want that element in the picture too. And the mole wanted to see the mustache, the correct positioning of the instrument, and the glass jug from Belmud and Sahil. They only got one of those three, which was the glass jug, so they get two hundred euros. And they wanted to see the Bible and the white hood from Letitia Everon and Kimlian of which they got the white hood, so 200 euros, for a total of 800 euros of 1,800 for the challenge, 1,910 of 7,300 for the episode, and 3,410 of 10,300 for the season so far. I feel like the group that had the nuns photo, the group that everyone was in, right from the start they said, oh, we got left with the toughest picture, and they just kept complaining about that the whole time, and everyone was terrible at approaching people. Letitia had to approach people for him. Yeah, I think I would definitely look at Velmud and Sahil after this episode. Because the way the mole can best sabotage this challenge, I think, is either pick really obscure things, which they're never going to be allowed to do by production. There are certain things that production will let them do. I suspect that isn't one of them. The mole obviously goes into it knowing what their stuff is going to be. They can only really impact three of them, at most. So, they can either get their picture wrong and knock out one of the potential recreation points, or they can deliberately screw up as many of the known recreation spots in their own one to lose them more money. Because the mole really can only, at most, unless they're Thomas Alfrasia, impact it by what, 600 euros at most? The mole really can't have that much impact in this challenge. Yeah, I was just thinking with the nun's photo too, if the mole is doing so little, it's going to distract the one or two other people in his group who now have to fill in the gaps and say, okay, I have to do this, and then they're going to forget one of the crucial details that they need. I don't think the mole can really have that much impact in this challenge, but I think I would look at Velmud and Sahil there purely because they had the most errors. Yeah, they screwed on two out of three. Yeah. Whereas the last trio, yes, they had the same amount of errors technically because Kim Leanne got her picture wrong, but also hers was probably the most obscure of the eight potential photos. So it's understandable she got it wrong. I wouldn't immediately look at a flag with a cross in it and think, that's Kim Leanne. So Rick also tells them to prepare for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. The test takes place at Mijedi Station. Sahil says that with the second execution, your chance of going home is so low, you might as well just still spread. Frazier says that Sahil has changed. It's super tricky to be the mole, and it could be him. Everon says he's splitting on Sahil and Thomas. Thomas is definitely splitting on Sahil, Glenn, and Arno, and also Sahila, and maybe Kim Leanne. You know, five of the other nine people. Glenn says that Sahil's been on his list since the theatre. He doesn't want to suspect him, but that isn't how the show goes. Letitia says that everyone's suspicious, but she's on Sahil, Thomas, and Kim, or it could be Velmud messing with her. Velmud worries about tunnel vision, so she's splitting on Thomas, Sahil, and Kim Leanne, but also has one more yoker, the missing tenth one from the first challenge last week. 
this was very atypical because we only saw six people's suspicions there, not all ten of them. We always see everyone at least speaking. Maybe not all their suspicions, but we always see them speaking. We only saw six. Clearly, they want to conceal some information from the audience. Rick says it could just be him, but they seem to be having a good time as a group. Unfortunately, one person's good mood is about to be spoiled, and he begins with Glenn as the Netherlands' least suspected person last week, and it's an instant red screen. Ooh, one out of ten shot, or one out of nine, I guess. And I must admit, you know that I am not at all competitive. As soon as someone from your team went, I went, yes, because Logan is now stuck with Thomas, and I'm not stuck with either him or Arno. <laughs> right before the execution, I put him as my number two suspect, and I'm thinking, well, the Netherlands was right on this one. Yep. <laughs> so next time, there are slingshots trading and laser tag, with Healer having the chance to bring a black exemption into the game. And I I like how Rick said right during the execution, he says, unfortunately, I'm going to spoil the party for one person. And I'm thinking, if only they knew what was happening after, after the execution, because the party is just getting started. Oh, yes. <laughs> so who do you suspect? Everyone is number one. Kim is number two. And Thomas is number three. Interesting. So, two of the same three as last week. Yes. But uh, Thomas is going to be bumped down pretty quickly, depending on how next episode goes. I am particularly looking at Velmud and Sahil this week, because of you know their actions in the last challenge. I think it would be too obvious if it is Sahil, because we know that Glenn at least remotely suspected him. And pretty much everyone put him on their suspect list. I think Sahil is being set up as being our traditional... Oh no, they went in fifth place. Boot. See, usually someone like Josh, but I know he went sixth last year. So Velmood is my number one suspect this week. Then it's Kim, and then it's Frazier. Frazier, I think she was setting herself up a little bit too much with the ping pong challenge to be the hero. She was constantly throwing those ping pong balls, and that is the best way to lose money in that challenge. Yeah, I had my eye on her too. And Kim, I just feel like I feel like she maybe subtly sabotaging. I don't know for certain, but I don't know. I've just got my eye on her. She she wouldn't be the first Kim to do that in Vidim. Well, exactly, yeah. But it's uh, Velmud, Kim, and then Frazier for me this week. Arno's at the very bottom for me, again. Thomas is at the very bottom for me. Then probably Arno. I've not done the rest of the list this week because I didn't need to. I didn't need to do the first suspicions this week. Um, talking of first suspicions, thank you to everyone who submitted a guess. We did have another record-breaking number of submissions, which was very nice. Of the ten people you could have suspected, three people, Arno, Healer, and Sahil, which is actually one person per team, kind of points out, didn't get any first suspicions. The most suspected person, with an average of 3.29 out of 10, was Kim Leanne, followed by Frazier, Sahil, Everon, Letitia, Velmud, Glenn, Thomas, Arno, then Healer. With the three of us added in, we found Letitia more suspicious than Everon, and Healer more suspicious than Arno. Three people, Walter, our very own Michelle pierce Denovan, and Mark Doyle, had Glenn in last. I have to mention Mark particularly, because his first suspect last year was the first person to go, so well done, Mark, you've redeemed yourself. Two people, Brian, and I'm sad to say, our very own Mr. Saunders, had Glenn in first. Glenn going home doesn't change the order, but Kim Leanne is now on 3.12 out of 9, with Fraser at 3.82. Sahil 4.41, Everon at 5.06, Letitia 5.35, Velmud 5.41, Thomas 5.71, Arno a dead 6, and Healer 6.12. And the Netherlands think that Sahil, with 19%, is the most suspicious person, Kimlian at 17%, and Velmud at 16, and Healer 3%, Frazier 7%, and Letitia 7% of the least suspicious in our pool. Michelle drafted Letitia, Arno, and Kim Leanne. I drafted Frazier, Velmud, and Healer, and Logan drafted Glenn, Everon, and Sahil, meaning that Thomas was left over. As Logan's number one suspect, Glenn, was executed, Thomas replaces him and joins Logan's team. That's all the admin. Have you got anything else you want to say? Mm, nope. Good. Given it's like half, <laughs> half 12 for you. One final thing from me is the fact that you can take part in Bothers Bar's suspect list every week, run by the wonderful Dan Peak, which is at the link in our description. I like to give Dan a shout out because it's the 10th year of it and, you know, it's brilliant. I love doing the suspect list even when I'm really wrong. 
I also participated too. Did you? I didn't know you did it last week. Yep, I did. I do genuinely really enjoy doing the suspect list. I'm I have got a reputation somehow of being horrendously wrong on it, even though I've only been horrendously wrong once, which was the very first time I did it, which is South Africa. Um, I was really, really wrong on that season, and um, Dan's not let me live it down since, even though it's, you know, nine years ago. So, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2022 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the newest mall in Albania. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTB Warriors. You can email us and contact at rtbwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Luxofquacky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you, as always, to Mirika for the subtitles, and we will see you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavoring. Zwege.